Thank you. Well, it's good to be with you. It's good to be in a church that's excited. And there's some churches we get in there deader than last year's Christmas tree. I tell you what. They, uh, <laughs> you can't. You say amen and you scare half the congregation to death. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good, good to be with you. And uh, I'm glad I've, I've heard uh, many, many wonderful reports about our daughter, Melissa. Now, I know you're being kind because we're here, but, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad that she's a, a blessing to the church. You know, we have a, a lot in common, really, you know, a lot of common, in common uh, for a, a, about a year or maybe a little less. I was Rick Matthews' pastor when he was on TDY there at Lemoore Naval Air Station. Uh, many, many years ago, 90, probably 96, 97, uh, a young man came out from uh, North Carolina and a church planter to plant a church in Marysville, Washington. And uh, I was introduced to, to that young man and we pulled our 40-foot fifth wheel up there and, and parked it and I think for a week or two weeks we knocked on doors for him and, and just uh, tried to help him every way we could. That young man was Kirby Campbell. And, uh, and of course then he, he got sick and and uh, so forth, but that, that that church still supports us, and uh, and so we're we're uh, of course now he's pastoring again, and and good about that. And then uh, one of the prisons that my wife and I go to, a women's prison in Pocatello, Idaho, and uh, we uh, we get we have quite a few um, quite a few volunteers out of Treasure Valley Baptist Church in, in Meridian, Idaho. Uh, but uh, sometimes that's not always convenient with things they've got going on at the church, and so uh, sometimes we're pretty sparse in, in uh, help down at Pocatello, and uh, it was, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, I'm not exactly sure, time flies, uh, Adam called me and said there's a, a fellow going to Pocatello, Idaho to start a church, and uh, so we got contact with, uh, with Pastor Whitaker, and he helps us now at the women's prison at Poc Pocatello. And uh, so we have a lot in common, a lot in common, a lot, lot going on, and we're certainly uh, appreciative of, of, of all of that. And let me commend you of how friendly and how warm this church is. I, I'll tell you, uh, we, we, my wife and I get into some churches and you can freeze water, I'm telling you. It's just, uh, you know, you walk in and nobody says anything to you. You, you sit down and, and uh, that's it, you know. But let me commend you how, how uh, friendly you are and how warm you are. And, we feel right, right at home. Uh, uh, I'm a little bit concerned about Adam, but other than that, uh, uh, <laughs> you've been concerned for years. Okay, uh, and uh, <laughs> but uh, no, my wife and I—we're in our 27th year with uh, with Rock of Ages. This October 21st, we will be married 54 years, and uh, so. Uh, we've been, been around for a while, and uh, do do pray. Do pray that the prisons would open up out in the West. As of right now, uh, the only state that's open for us is Montana, and uh, we'll be going into the women's prison in August in Montana, in Billings. And uh, do pray for that. Later on, we'll be at Shelby and at Deer Lodge in Montana. That'll be in October. But just pray that the prisons... Uh, would open up. There's supposed to be some kind of, of an announcement coming uh, June <laughs> June 30th, just a few days, and so we're watching the uh, emails to see what that announcement's going to be made by, about the state of Washington. But uh, uh, just just pray for us that we get back in and get into those prisons in Idaho and Montana and uh, Oregon and uh, in Nevada. We've had the opportunity to over these 27 years to, to, to see a lot of unusual situations. Um, believe it or not, uh, for th three years in a row, I, I got to preach to O.J. Simpson. And uh, O.J. Simpson was incarcerated at Lovelock in Nevada and I was in a conference in, in uh, Somerville, Oregon, and a preacher walked up to me and said, I understand that you're in prison ministry. And I said, I am. He said, uh, you come to Nevada. At that time, we were not. And he said, well, here's what I do. I, he said, one Friday a month. It's only one Friday a month. That's all I can do. Uh, I drive about an hour up to a prison called Lovelock. 
and he said, uh, I'm in, in good standing with the chaplain, the state chaplain, and if we could schedule a revival up there, would you come? And I said, absolutely. So he sent me the paperwork. I sent the paperwork into the institution, and the chaplain called me. And uh, he said, you're all cleared uh, for such and such a date. You'll have a, a th Thursday, Friday, and Saturday uh, revival, and you'll have revival for both uh, uh, general population and for uh, uh, PC, which is the protective custody unit. And uh, so there'll be, uh, be separate, separate services, but th you're all set to go. And he said, um, he said we, we have a very famous individual here at the prison. And I said, uh, well, chaplain, I don't have any idea who that is. And I said, truth of the matter is, I don't even know where Lovelock is. But I said, my GPS can find you. And uh, he said, well, we've got a very famous sports figure here. And I said, okay, well, I still don't know who you're talking about. He said, you'll have the opportunity because he comes to, uh, to, the, uh, to the services. Uh, you'll have the opportunity to preach O.J. Simpson. And so uh, I was able for th three years in, in the revivals to preach O.J. Simpson. And uh, I was able the last year to get a Rock of Ages King James study Bible into his hand. And so, uh, uh, of course, he's out now and down, down in Florida somewhere. But uh, we've had the opportunity. I don't know if you're familiar. Years ago, there was a fellow by the name of uh, Mazinski, and he was known as the Green River killer, the Green River killer. Uh, I've not had the opportunity to preach to him, but he's in, in cell block one down at the Washington State Penitentiary, and I've been by his cell many times. Haven't got, got very far, far with him, but uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to him. So over the years, we've had some real, uh, real interesting people that we've come, come in contact with. Well, let's open up our Bibles to uh, 2 Timothy and chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy ch chapter 3, I, I, I trust and my prayer is that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that uh, you would be saved today before it's eternally too late. It, it's not enough to know about Jesus, but you need to know him personally. A lot of people know about him, but they don't know him him personally. There's a lot, a lot of people that uh, are even active in churches, but don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, the Lord said, uh, uh, they, they said, Lord, Lord, have we not preached in thy name? Haven't we uh, cast out devils in thy name? Haven't we done many wonderful works in thy name? And Jesus said, I never, I don't know you. I never knew you. Depart from me. So it's not a matter of being on the church rolls. It's a matter of being on God's rolls. And uh, we need to un understand that. Years ago, I was uh, holding a revival at a, a prison down near San Diego, R.J. Donovan. 5,000 inmate institution, 5,000 men incarcerated on one facility. Next door, they were building another 5,000 bed facility. Here you're going to have 10,000 men incarcerated eventually at one facility. We would clear into the prison at seven o'clock in the morning because this unit couldn't mingle with this unit and this unit couldn't mingle with this unit and so forth. They all had to be separate. We would start s services about 7.30 and we would have one hour, actually less than an hour, probably about 55 minutes, with each unit. All we would do is go in, we'd, we'd carry these, these little uh, paper song books with us, we'd pass them out, we'd sing a song, usually Amazing Grace, that's, that's the favorite in the prison, and we'd sing Amazing Grace, and then we'd preach and give the invitation and deal with the men that came forward, and then we would clear out and, and move off to, to, to another pod with a, another service. I walked into a pod, and a man ran at me. Now, inmates, they're not supposed to run at the volunteers. That's not a healthy thing for them. But he ran to me and he got right up to me and he said, I know you. I said, you do? He said, yes, I know you. I've got some of your books. I said, no, no, um, you've got me confused. I, I said, I haven't written any books. He said, no, no, I know you. And I said, well, who do you think I am? And he said, well, don't you know who you are? 
Now, I'm thinking about this time that, that this guy has, has, has missed medication call, you know. And then he says, uh, he said, I'm going to go ask that correctional officer if I can go back to my cell and get one of those books. I want you to autograph it for me. And I said, well, do what you got to do. And he went over and the officer said, no, you're not leaving until it's recall, until you're out of here. You're, he brings back a piece of paper. He said, if you'll sign this, if you'll sign this, I'll put it in that book. It'll be just as good. I said, okay, just so we both know who I am. Who am I? He said, you're Charles Stanley. <laughs> I, I said, I said, give me that paper. And I signed Charles Stanley. And I, 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 I gave it to him. He was out of my hair. And uh, he was happy. So somewhere out there, there's a counterfeit Charles Stanley running around. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it ever it will ever catch up with me. But I, I got to get going. You know, I was preaching down at the... Uh, at the uh, Idaho State Correctional Institution in Boise. There's five prisons up on that hill and I was at the medium security unit. I don't know what was going on at the prison, but the men were kind of down and so I, I began to cut up with them a little bit. And I said, men, do you know what it means when a preacher takes off his watch and puts it on the pulpit? Absolutely nothing. But it gives the listeners hope. And a man raised his hand. He said, Preacher, I have no idea what it means in a church, but I know what it means in here. You're fixing to lose your watch. <laughs> so, I, so I put it back on. <laughs> so we, we've had some, some interesting things happen. Well, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I do pray that you would just take control of this service. Lord, if you don't show up, if the Holy Spirit doesn't move in, nothing's going to happen for time and eternity. Lord, I pray that you'd guard my lips. I pray that you'd guard my thoughts. And Lord, I pray if there's any, any at all in our midst that are, are not 100% sure they're on their way to heaven, I pray today would be the day that they would put their faith and trust in Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage that one that's discouraged. I pray, pray that you'd uh, help, help that one that is in need of a special touch from you today. Lord, I, I pray for, uh, for those that are uh, actively involved in this church in this matter of getting the gospel out. Lord, I pray that you'd keep them on the firing line. Lord, I pray that when the lights are turned out and we've gone back to our respective places, and we can say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Here is a, a list. Brother Paul, he says that in the last days, perilous times. Perilous means very difficult days to deal with, very, very treacherous days to deal with. And there's quite a, a, quite a list there, quite a list there, and we could preach on every one of those. But I, I want you to draw your attention to verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, now here it is, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God of God. I want you to keep that in mind and I want you to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, very familiar portion of scripture, beginning in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know not, uh, you know, and the way ye know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We see first of all here that Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. It's a prepared place. A prepared place. Not only is it a prepared place, but it's, it's a, uh, a, prepared for a, a prepared place for a prepared people. For a prepared people. Church, I am convinced, I am totally convinced that we have people in our independent, fundamental Baptist churches that are on the church rolls that are not on God's rolls. I am convinced of that. They may know about the Lord Jesus Christ, but they do not know him personally. I had a, a well-known evangelist, a well-known evangelist, tell me not, not too many years ago, it is impossible to preach a spiritual book to an unregenerated people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, spirits he discerned. And so it's a prepared place for a prepared people. And then let's say as a way of introduction, for a prepared time. For a prepared time. Uh, the truth of the matter is, God knows that time. And one time, one day, he's going to tell the son, go get him. And that trump's going to sound, there's going to be that shout, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive shall be caught up to meet Jesus in the air, and forever we will be with the Lord. Well, I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that day, amen? I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day comes, we are told, we are commanded to occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. And as a way of introduction as we travel, I see five areas, five areas as we travel that I'm concerned about. Five areas that I think that many of our churches are headed in a, a wrong direction. Number one is the area of commitment. The area of commitment. Now, we, we have just come off of 14, 15 months of this COVID thing, and our church in Spokane was shut down, and they did it over the internet and, and so forth. But things are opening up now. Things are beginning to open up. Our church has, has nearly opened up to, to what it was. The buses are running. The choir's in its place. Uh, the door knocking is going on. And everything is, is just, just about back to where it was normal. Except a lot of people got used to not having to do anything. And now they want to sit at ease. I'm concerned about the area of commitment. Several years ago when I was pastoring, probably 30 years ago, we had a, a couple that came and they sat at the back of the church. I leaned over to my assistant and said, do you know who they are? And he said, no, I don't know who they are. And come to find out they just moved into the area and they were looking for a church. So I talked to them after the, the, the service, like I talked to anybody who visited our church. And they'd say, well, we're looking for a good, independent, fundamental Baptist church. And I'd say, well, here's what I want you to do. I want, want you to visit us on a Sunday morning, visit us on a Sunday night, visit us on a Wednesday night. I want you to go visit Brother Boyle at Faith Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night. I want you to go up and, and visit John Pettit up on the north side on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night. And then I want you to pray 
and determine where God wants you. See, I, I don't want them if it's not where God wants them. That's not going to work. And so they came and then they kind of followed that pattern. And finally they came back on a Sunday morning and they sat at the back. And I mean, they were with me during the preaching. And at the invitation, they came forward <coughs> and I asked them what they were coming for. And they said, well, we, we, we'd like to unite. We'd like to join the church. And then this is what he said. He said, but before we join, I want to ask you a question. I mean, I'm down front with them. You know, invitation's coming to a close. Down front with him, and he said, I want to know that if we join this church, what's the church going to do for us? Boom, boy, red flag straight up. We got a big, big problem. It's not if we join this church, what's the church going to do for us? If you join this church, how can we help this church push the cause of Christ forward? I said, we need to talk about this. Needless to say, they didn't join. The area of commitment. And then the area of compassion. The area of compassion. I want you to look at, at Matthew chapter 9, if you would. Matthew chapter 9. And in Matthew, Matthew chapter 9... Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Compassion. You see, if we have compassion upon people, it's going to compel us to go out and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, but then he brings up this issue, this problem, that the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So the area of commitment, the area of compassion, and then the area of convictions. Boy, I am shocked at what's going on in some of our independent fundamental Baptist churches today. I was holding a meeting holding a meeting in, uh, uh, in Idaho. And the pastor had called me and he said, we're going to have this big day and, and we're going to have dinner on the grounds and uh, it's going to be a big day and we're promoting it and, and I want you to come and pre preach Sunday morning this big day. He said, now I know you're at the Airway Heights Correctional on Sunday night, so I know you can't be with us Sunday night, but I, I want you to preach Sunday morning. They're going to have this big day. We're asking the Lord to pack the house. And I said, I, I can do that. I can do that. I'll be there. And then he called me on Saturday before that Sunday, and he said, we've had a little change in plans. I said, okay. He said, there's a brand new church that's starting about a half hour away, and we've invited them to come over to be in our, our services on, on Sunday morning and then to participate in the potluck and, and then uh, so, so forth. And he said, is that okay with you? I said, you're the pastor. I don't have any say. You're, you're the, I said, that's fine. And so we got there, and the church showed up. They came over in a van. There was about, I don't know, 10 or 12, and then they, I think there was a couple of cars, and they came in. And the pastor, the host pastor, took me over to this young man, this new pastor, and introduced me to him. He said, this is Brother Donnelly with Rock of Ages, and he's our speaker for this morning. And, and he told me the pastor's name. And when he told me the pastor's name, it was not a common name. It, it was a, uh, somewhat of an unusual name. And I asked that young man, preacher, I said, does your dad pastor in California? And he said, no. My grandfather pastored in California. I said, did he pastor in Lompoc? He said, he did. 
I said, I've preached for your grandfather several times. And that young man looked at me and he went, oh, you're probably old school, aren't you? I said, amen. amen. I still believe in the fundamentals of the faith. I still believe in the King James Bible. I still believe in soul winning. I still believe in separation. Amen, I'm old school. But I see our churches varying from that in the area of convictions. We're plainly told in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. My wife and our granddaughter, Autumn, they haven't done it so much lately, but in, when Autumn was smaller, around Christmas time, they'd make up cookie dough. And they would make up that cookie dough and do all they do to, I don't know, but anyway, they you know, do all that stuff. And then they'd take a, a rolling pin. Uh, that, that, that rolling pin came out every so often to roll that cookie dough out and then of course she'd use it on me occasionally <laughs> and, and so they put that there and she'd roll that cookie dough out and autumn would roll that cookie dough out and they'd take flour and sprinkle it around and all that and then they'd get this coffee can and it had these little deals in them that you press into that dough and it would make like a tree and a snowman and they were called cookie cutters you all know what i'm talking about cookie cutters and when they would push that cookie cutter into that dough that dough would conform to the image of that cookie cutter and i'll tell you what we have today we have many a brother and sister in christ that are getting into that mold of that cookie cutter of the world and are being conformed to this world and we need to have separation. We need to be different. Amen? Amen. We, well, we did pretty good on that one. Amen? <laughs> Thank you. In the area of compassion, the area of conviction, and this is a big one. Boy, this is a big one. Convicting preaching. Convicting preaching. Here, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing pulpits where the pastors used to preach the Word of God, and now they're teaching the Word of God. Now don't misunderstand me, we need both. We need both teaching and preaching. Teaching instructs. Teaching informs. Ephesians chapter 4 and, and, and verse 11 and following, he gave some apostles and, and, and pastors and teachers why? These, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. But let me tell you, tell you something. Teaching instructs. Preaching stirs the heart to take the knowledge and go out and do something with it. And we need both teaching and preaching. And many ministries have left the preaching ministry and gone strictly to a teaching ministry. And they're stale and they're dead as last year's Christmas tree. And then the fifth area is a concern for the lost. The concern for the lost. Let, let me simply ask you a question. How many of you believe the Word of God? You believe the Word of God? You believe the Word of God is the final authority for faith and practice? How, how many of you believe 2 Timothy 2.15? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many, how many of you believe that it's just not, not the pastor's responsibility to study or a deacon's response, but it's all of our responsibility to be in the word of God, to study the word of God? Okay, how, how many of you, if you believe Luke 18.1? Men ought always to pray. Now, that doesn't let you ladies off the hook, okay? Men ought always to pray and not to faint. First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. How, how many of you believe that you're supposed to be doing that? How, how many of you believe that you're supposed to be in church? Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. You, you believe that? How, how many of you believe that you're supposed to tithe? Huh? Well, we didn't do too well on that one. <laughs> now, the Bible says that he that knoweth to do good 
and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Is that what the scriptures tell us? Okay, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now we come to verses 18 and 19. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, if you're saved, you have been reconciled to God through the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth, or he demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you're saved, if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, if you've been justified, if you've been redeemed, if you've been born again, if you've been washed in the blood, then you've been reconciled to God through the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here it is. If that be the case, you, me, you, have been given the ministry of reconciliation to tell others how they can be reconciled to God through the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The verse that God used to call me out of the pastorate into the prisons. My wife used, my wife used to say, when I resigned Gospel Light Baptist Church and I went, went into the prison ministry, she already always knew I'd end up in prison. <laughs> But I went for the right reason. You've been saved. You've been reconciled to God. And you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Mark 16, 15 was the verse as a pastor at, at EOCI at Pendleton holding a revival. When a man walked up to me and said, why is it? The Rock of Ages only comes here once, maybe twice a year. Why, why, why can't you come all the time? Now, we enjoy that preaching. We, we, we enjoy straight preaching. And I said, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pastor in Spokane. And I said, Brother Ellis, you come over here. And Brother Ellis came over, and I said, this man's got a question. He said, how come? How come you guys only come once or twice a year? Why, why don't you come more often? Man, we need this. And Brother Ellis looked at that man, and he looked at me, and he looked at that man, and he looked back at me, and he said, because the laborers are few. And God brought Mark 16, 15 to my remembrance, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I knew right then and there that God was calling me out of that pastorate into the prison ministry. And I was in California on deputation. I, really, I tried to stay out of California, but, but I was in California on deputation, and a man, great big barrel-chested man, big old, big old fellow, looked like he probably ought to be, be a lineman for the Los Angeles Rams or whatever they are, great big guy, 
walked up to me and he said, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that you would come to our church and try to get money to go to those people in the prisons. I, couldn't, I can't believe you'd do that. I said, let me ask you a question, sir. I said, you look like an intelligent human being. I was being kind. <laughs> I said, have you ever read the Bible? He said, oh yeah, 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 read it all the time. I said, have you ever read Mark? He said, oh yeah, yeah, read it all the time. I said, have you ever read the 16th chapter of Mark? He said, oh, sure I have. I said, have you ever read the 15th chapter? Well, sure I have. I said, then tell me what, quote it. He said, well, I can't quote it. I said, let me quote it to you. Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I said, the last time I checked, the prisons were still in this world. So if it's okay with you, I'll just be obedient to Jesus. How, how many of you have ever blown up a balloon, get it real big, and then you let it go and it goes, that's, that's what that big old puffed up bullfrog did. <laughs> he didn't have the spirituality to blow the fuzz off a peanut. <laughs> go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Let me just give you real quick. How many of you just understand that people need the Lord? People need the Lord. And God has given us that have been redeemed the ministry of reconciliation to tell others how they can be reconciled to God. Over the 27 years that we've been with Rock of Ages, we have been in some interesting situations in the prisons. Some of them I won't tell you about. <laughs> but we were, my wife and I were at the women's prison at, at Purdy, Washington. 950 ladies incarcerated there. They actually have a, a unit for the the, the women who have children have, have babies while they're incarcerated and they put them in a, uh, a separate wing and they can have their, their babies there up to a certain age. And we were holding a revival there. It was going to be a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. And we got there on Friday and, I mean, that chapel filled up. It was full. And we were just getting ready to start and a lady rolled herself in in a wheelchair and right down front she locked herself in and she was right down front in that wheelchair and just as we were getting ready to start she had a seizure I mean she had a seizure she started doing all kinds of things she actually was gyrating so much she came out of her wheelchair on the floor one of the other lady inmates ran forward and took her finger and stuck her finger down her throat to do something. Another one ran out the back screaming for a correctional officer. And before I knew it, man, that recall was there. The medical staff was there. And I mean, all the women had to go back to their unit and our service was done. We showed up on Saturday and they said, didn't anybody call you? And I said, no, not that I'm aware of. And I checked, no. They said, well, the the maintenance was doing some maintenance in the chapel and the sprinklers went off in the chapel and everything soaked over there and they got equipment all over. You can't have a service. There's no way you're gonna have a service. I said, what about tomorrow? Do we have t services tomorrow? And they said, here's a number to call and call it early on Sunday morning and they'll tell you whether you're cleared to have your service. I called, we were cleared, we showed up, we went on in, went out to the chapel, Chapel was full of ladies again, and there was that woman in that wheelchair right down front. And before we started, she motioned to me. And I went down, and she said, I'm so sorry about Friday night. She said, I don't have control over these things, and when they happen, they happen, and I shut down your entire service. She said, I'm sorry. 
She said, if you want me to leave, I'll leave because I could have one during, during this service and shut you down again. I never know when I'm gonna have them. And I said, no, I want you to stay. And we went ahead and preached the word of God, gave the invitation, and that lady unlocked her wheelchair and came forward and my wife took her off to the side and dealt with her. At the end of the service, my wife said, you need to let her say something. Now that can be a dangerous thing in prison, I'm telling you. But when, when my wife says, yeah, I'll let her say something, you know, uh, I said, okay. <laughs> and that lady turned around to her peers and she said, I got a letter this week from my mom and dad disowning me as their daughter. They say that we have no daughter anymore. You're in prison and you're not our daughter anymore. Forget you. And she said, I came in here heavy hearted. But she said, I just found the one who didn't throw me away. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And you know what needs to take place today? The gospel is clearly defined in 1 Corinthians 15 as the death, burial, and the resurrection whereby ye are saved. And what we need in our churches today is to put the go back in the gospel and to get out there on the doorsteps and get up there on the highways and hedges and tell people how they can be reconciled to God just like we were reconciled to God through the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. People need the Lord. Before the... COVID thing and before we moved to Spokane we lived in the, tri- the Tri-Cities area and I, w- I would drive 151 miles round trip up to the Airway Heights prison and back three times a week I'd do that on s- Sunday the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the the third and the fifth Sundays that there was five Sundays in a month I had an afternoon preacher boy class Men that felt that they were called to preach, and so I, I would teach them different things about the ministry. I could pick them, and there was just a, a handful that would come, and, and, and they did very, very well. But I had a couple of hours before I had to clear out, and then I clear back in. So I'd get done about 4 o'clock, and I didn't have to be back in until 6. And so there was a McDonald's not far from where the prison is. And so I'd go over to the McDonald's and get something to eat, get some coffee, get, get something. And then I would make my way back to the prison a little before six. Most of the time I would go back into the back room there where the, where the play, play toys were because there usually wasn't much seating out front. And so I'd get back in there and usually it wasn't too bad. Sometimes it was noisy, but I'd go back there. And I went back in there and I, had got a, a chicken sandwich, three raisin oatmeal cookies, and a coffee. And I'm sitting in a booth, and a little boy, I guess six, seven, maybe eight, he slides in right across from me, and he's looking at the cookies. And I said, do you like cookies? Would you like a cookie? I said, you may have a cookie. And he took that cookie and off he went. Pretty soon, his younger brother slides in. (laughs) He's looking at the cookies. (laughs) I said, would you like a cookie? He said, yeah, I like cookies. I said, you may have a cookie. He got the cookie and he slid out and went about his business. Now the older brother, he slips back in. I looked at him, I said, You've already had a cookie. You're not getting that cookie. That's my cookie. That's my cookie. And then I looked around. I didn't see grandma. I didn't see grandpa. I didn't see mom and dad. The only ones that were in that play area was myself and those two little boys. And I asked those boys, I said, are you here with grandma and grandpa? No. I said, are you here with mom and dad? Well, no. I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, 
Mom drops us off here. And then she goes over to the prison to visit Dad. And then she comes back and p picks us up. And you know, I thought the only hope that those two little boys have is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only hope. People need the Lord. And let me encourage you, church. Let me encourage you. There's coming a day when the opportunities are going to be gone. The trump's going to sound, the shout, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive remains shall be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. There's not going to be any opportunity in heaven to win souls because everybody there is saved. So we've got to do it now. We've got to do it now. And if you're saved, you have a ministry. And that ministry is reconciliation. You've been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And you've been given the ministry to tell others how they can be reconciled to God through the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a man several years ago, he came up after I had preached on those verses, and he said, well, I just don't have, 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 have the gift of soul winning. I said, soul winning is not a gift, it's a plain command. It's a plain command for me and for you. It's not a command to me because I'm a preacher, it's a command to me because I'm a Christian. The Great Commission is given in, in all four Gospels and in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Time is running out. How many of you believe that the Lord, Lord could come at any moment? Huh? How many of you think the Lord could come before the service tonight? How many of you are wishing the Lord would come before the service tonight? <laughs> well, wait, where'd Pastor get this guy? Right out of Spokane, Washington. Now, now you know why Melissa's so honoring. Well, she's following in the footsteps of, of, of her mother. <laughs> oh, that was a bad one. <laughs> Churches stay on the firing line. People need the Lord. Boy, you got vacation Bible school coming up. Stay on, on the firing line. You're out there putting door hangers and let, let, let me just remind you those kids that come to vacation bible school they got a mom they got a dad they got a grandma they got a grandpa they got an uncle they got an aunt and on and on it goes and neighbors just stay on the firing line go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature i commend you the amount of missionaries that you support do you re realize that we are told beginning at Jerusalem. This is your Jerusalem right here. It's wonderful that you're supporting missionaries, but you can't win souls by proxy. You can give to them, and when souls are saved, that's fruit that abounds to your account. But that doesn't relinquish your responsibility to go and to tell people about Christ. Him that knoweth the good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be able to stand behind this pulpit and open up the Word of God and pre preach the Word of God. Now with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, I wonder if there'd be anybody under the sound of my voice that would say, Preacher, I am not 100% sure if I died right now. If I took my last breath right now that I'd be ushered into the presence of Christ. I can't say, as the Apostle Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that I'm on my way to heaven. But I want to be. I know I don't want to die and go to a devil's hell. That's for sure. And if there's a way to know from the Bible how I can be absolutely 100% sure, I sure want to know that. 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can you know that? You can know that based on the authority of the word of God, but also in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So I wonder if there'd be anybody here that'd say, Preacher, 
I'm not 100% sure, but I want to be. I don't want to leave this service without knowing for sure that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that I'm born again, that if that trump should sound and that shout should come this afternoon, that I'd go to meet Jesus in the air. And I don't have that assurance, but I, want, I need it. I want it. Pray for me. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up. and we'll, I won't embarrass you, but we'll have prayer for you. Not embarrass you, okay? Let me ask you a second question. Are you fulfilling as a child of God, born again, saved, redeemed, washed in the blood, are you fulfilling the ministry that you have been given? You've been reconciled to God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've been given the ministry, every one of you that know Christ, you've been given the ministry to tell others how they can be reconciled to God through the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was in Bible college, I had a real dry spell about winning people to Christ several weeks, and I didn't win anybody. And I went, 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 went to one of the professors, and I was bothered. I was broken. And this is what he told me. He said, Chuck, there are three parts. There's your part. Are you going? I said, yes. He said, there's the Holy Spirit's part to draw and to convict and to draw them to Christ. And there's their part to either receive or reject. And as long as you're doing your part, you're just fine. I wonder, when's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you told somebody how to be saved? When's the last time you passed out a gospel track? When, when, when's the last time that you sat down, opened up the Bible, and told somebody in your neighborhood or at work or whatever it might be, how they can be reconciled to God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? Him that knoweth to good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I wonder if there'd be any, any this morning and say, Preacher, somewhere along the line this morning, the Holy Spirit convicted me of some area in my life. Pray for me. Pray for me. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I'll not come to you. I'll not embarrass you, but I want, want, to, want to pray for you. I'm convicted about some area in my life. Maybe it's a matter of soul winning and telling others about Christ. Maybe it's not something that you've done for a long time. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. Preacher, just pray, pray for me. I, I'm under conviction about some things. Pray for me. That's you, just slip your hand up and we'll have prayer for you. We're not embarrassed you, not come to you. God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Amen, amen. Father, I pray now that you'd bless the invitation. May you have your will and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand.